Bibles and turn to Psalm 65. In a couple of minutes, we get these Sword of the Lord magazines here. These just came in. There's always good stuff in here. Um, so if we get a couple of volunteers up here, men, to uh, pass these out. Thank you, brother. Take one home and then read through it. A lot of stuff in there that will bless your heart, other stuff that will make you pray <laughs> about our country and the path that's going on. But we need both. All right. And the ushers have a paper that they have passed out for you that I will explain in just a moment after I give my introduction to the message. The message is entitled uh, this morning, Be a Good Steward of Your Pastor. Be a good steward of your pastor. That's not a subject we think about hardly ever. We just think that guy's got it made, he's never tempted, he doesn't have any weaknesses, he's never sick, he's always on top, he's always happy, always joyful, he's fine. And uh, sometimes we forget about him. Now, I'm not preaching this message for myself either, uh, because some of you know our plans around here uh, for the very near future. But I'd like to use as our first text today, i got about three here right at the beginning. It says in Psalm 65 and verse number 4, a verse we've looked at I think just about six months ago I brought this out. It says, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest, and causeth to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house even of thy holy temple. Or today we might say we might be satisfied with the goodness of church and fellowship one with another because of the man whom thou choosest. But notice the first part of the verse is God chooses man. He really does. God chooses men. And it's just something he does. Uh, We have to believe that by faith that God chooses certain men and causeth to approach unto thee, and they they try to live the rest of their lives in the presence of God so that everybody can be blessed by the man whom God chooses. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. So let us remember that God chooses men. Another verse that says the same thing, I will read it to you. It's Jeremiah 3 and verse 15. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So God chooses men, and God says, I will give you pastors according to mine heart. God has a heart. And from his heart, he chooses men, he makes them pastors, and their job is to feed you with knowledge and understanding, especially spiritual knowledge and understanding on how to walk uh, in the ways of God and do the will of God for your life. And so I will give you pastors according to mine heart. That's something God does. God gives us pastors. In the New Testament, it says something very similar in, in Ephesians chapter 4 
and verse number 11, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. There we see it the third time. He gave some. Uh, And if a pastor, evangelist, missionary, apostle, teacher uh, has been given by God, uh, we uh, should uh, thank the Lord for that gift to us. And I really believe it is God's will, or it's part of God's will, it is part of God's perfect will for your life, that for the rest of your life you have a pastor. Just like you have a doctor, you have a dentist. But the thing is, the soul is in much worse shape than our physical health or our teeth. And uh, so it is, it is part of God's perfect will that we all have pastors in our lives. And he gave them. They didn't just, I don't at least not in my case, I didn't say, hey, I want to be a pastor. Uh, you'd almost have to be crazy to uh, say that if you knew what you were getting into. But anyways, I want to review because we're trying to make a smooth transition here at our church. Uh, I want to review that the plans are right now, and I think they're God's plans. I've, I've asked the Lord for a long time, for years and years about this. Uh, I, I have been praying about this. But uh, our plans are to vote on Chris Barron, Pastor Chris Barron, as our next pastor on Sunday, April the 9th, 2023. Uh, That day or by that day, all of you that are uh, corporate members of the Faith Bible Baptist Church in good standing will receive a paper ballot uh, with my recommendation that I feel it is the leadership of the Holy Spirit that I resign as the pastor here and that Pastor Chris Barron take my place as the lead pastor or head pastor of the Faith Bible Baptist Church. That will be after I have been here for 40 years. And uh, if the ballots come in uh, affirmative, and he is voted in on that day, Sunday, April the 9th, two days later, Tuesday, April the 11th, as part of the Tri-State Independent Baptist Youth Fellowship, I will be resigning and we will be installing Chris Barron as the pastor here. That's the plans. Most of you know that. Uh, We've said that for months, and I will continue to say that's about nine months uh, away. And... uh, we have been uh, talking a lot, uh, Pastor Chris and I, and about this transition. I have strongly urged him to look at my strengths, look at my weaknesses, be honest. I'm humble. I don't care. Look at the good, strong parts of this church. Look at the weak parts, and, and let's discuss how we can make them even better. And he's got some good ideas already that uh, he has implemented. I will still be here. I plan on dying 
uh, unless it's God's will to change my plans as a member of the Faith Bible Baptist Church of Eden, New York. And being a member here and being at everything uh, in the capacity of a pastor emeritus, which just means a retired honorary pastor. Sometimes you refer to it as a pastor at large. I will be working with our church plants as I do now, as I've done for the last 14 years, but I will also be uh, here. Uh, Him and I have come to an agreement that his focus 100% is going to be the Faith Bible Baptist Church of Eden, New York. I will be the one looking out for the church plants and trying to help them be healthy, spiritually grow, have leadership. And uh, also, I'm kind of hoping and praying that if God lets me live to plant other churches um, in in other towns, uh, there is so much need Uh, right now. I've had two missionaries that I've heard of in the last week whose pastors just resigned out of the blue, just, just, and they're in, almost in shock as they're on deputation trying to get to the mission field and back home their pastors just uh, resigned. Um, it's, it's like an epidemic. We, we don't have enough pastors and we need more leaders. <clears throat> the First Baptist Church of Elmo over here is without a pastor. The First Baptist Church of Marilla over here is a pa- without a pastor, and just over by them, there's a church that's called the Folsomdale pa- uh, Baptist Church, where the pastor will be leaving in August. Uh, the Cherry Creek Baptist Church, the pastor just left last month. The East Concord Community Church, which used to be a Baptist church, has not been open in about five years. The New Hope Baptist Church down here in Collins closed down a few years ago. The First Baptist Church of Gowanda. Uh, in the village of Gowanda closed down a few years ago. Richardson Road Baptist Church uh, over here on the Indian Reservation closed down a few years ago. Pleasant Valley uh, Baptist Church on the reservation uh, is, is hanging on by a thread. Their, uh, their preacher for pulpit supply is coming all the way from Grand Island uh, to preach uh, down there. And uh, this is just a few of the ones kind of that are more in our immediate area. This story could be told all across our country. All across our country, there's a great need uh, for men uh, of all ages uh, to be pastors and uh, to start congregations and just try to shepherd them. That's what the word pastor means. It just means a shepherd. I will give you pastors according to my heart. We just read, and that word pastors is the exact same Hebrew word that God uses in Psalm 23 and verse 1 when he says, The Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd. It's a spiritual shepherd that we need uh, in our lives. Some more than others. Uh, Some have grown in their spirituality and their communion with God and with the Lord Jesus Christ that if I should drop dead this instant they would do just fine in their walk with the Lord because they, they, they've grown they're strong, they, they love the Lord they're leaning on the Lord and that's, that's where we want to get everybody I certainly want to work myself out of a job with all of you so that all of you are so close to God 
so knowledgeable of the Word of God, so in tune with God and communion and prayer, and, and you're fruitful and you're, you're faithful in your stewardship and you're a witness and you're bearing fruit in your life. Uh, that's where we want to get to. Uh, I don't have a pastor. I haven't had a pastor in 40, I don't know, 43 years, 40, whatever. Uh, uh, so it's possible to, to, to get to that point. Uh, where instead of leaning on a pastor, people are leaning on you because you've become a strong man or woman of the church, teacher or whatever, and that's, that's where we want to get. But, uh, so uh, this is an important uh, week coming up. Pastor Chris is flying to the Philippines, and, and this is where we need to pray that things go really well because he was a missionary there for 10 years, and he's got to tie up some business uh, selling a car, a house, his mother lives over there, other things, so that he can kind of be released from uh, attachments over there. And he's trying to do this early and uh, take care of it. Let us pray that all this goes well, uh, that somebody will buy the house and car and all that kind of stuff and, and uh, so that he can move back here. And then when he gets back here, he's been living in the charity house with Elizabeth and the four kids. If you know anything about that house, it's about 740 square feet. One bathroom. And uh, it's like the Philippines. So <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's very small. He's been in over there for over a year and his wife without one complaint. Without one complaint. But they need a home, and it's not the best time to buy homes, but let's pray for a miracle for them. And uh, maybe, uh, you know, I'll just throw it out there, but maybe you are the miracle. And uh, God would move on your hearts to help in this matter. I've had uh, some uh, uh, going back and forth this week in text with uh, uh, Pastor Brent Gullo. Uh, down in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, he and his wife, Jenny, are really looking forward to coming up here and pastoring the Brightway Baptist Church that we started out in Cataraugus uh, here, him and his five children. They're kind of in the same situation. They have a, a house in Jacksonville right now in Florida that they need to fix up before they can sell it, so he's busy doing that. He's trying to get all the logistics, but he... He said to me this, this uh, week, he says, I would rather be up here sooner than later. And so if you could pray for them, if you could pray for them, I think that's going to be a blessing uh, and an answer to prayer. Uh, because I believe God chooses men, as we saw in the scriptures today. And, and, and after years and years of prayer about that, uh, God is, is meeting uh, the need. And so... I think when Pastor Barron becomes the pastor here and Pastor Gullo becomes the pastor out there at Brightway and Pastor Shutt, he's just a good young man. We already have him in place at Countryside. And Pastor Lewis, uh, you all know him and uh, the good work he's doing at Hilltop. Uh, I will be able to resign uh, believing that we have four men in four churches that could be in the area for over 25 more years in every case. And uh, that would certainly give me some peace of mind and heart as a pastor uh, to have put all the time and the money we have put into these churches and church plants and to feel that they're in good hands. 
uh, with men who love and know the Lord. I think God has been good to us because I've known churches that have been praying for seven years, for a decade, for a pastor and can't find anyone. And so I think we should count our blessings. Uh, But when we get these pastors, how should we treat them? Uh, We need to be good stewards of them. Why are so many pastors quitting and giving up the ministry? Well, first of all, they're not. Most pastors are staying put. But a lot of them are giving up. And some of it could be because of the ignorance of congregations on how to treat the pastor according to the scriptures. I was uh, doing some study, Googling and everything. Who knows? You come to Pew Research Center and Barn and all that. Who knows if they're accurate or not? But the number one reason pastors leave their churches is because of conflict in the congregation. Conflict in the congregation, and they leave. The average pastor stays in one church for four years on average, the senior pastor. The average assistant pastor stays for three years. That's average. That's not very good. And the Pew Research Center said because of this, many congregations have become skeptical of pastors who come in and say, I'm called by God to this ministry And in the back of their minds, they're saying, yeah, he's gone in four years. He's gone in three years. And they become skeptical about it. And there's many reasons why pastors leave, and you can look them up online. Uh, They're stressed out about money, overwhelming ministry demands, lack of support, conflict in the church, burnout, family issues, And then sometimes there's just a change in their calling. God really does call them to go and be a missionary or something somewhere. God really calls them to do something like that. But a lot of these could be avoided, avoided with some biblical knowledge of a congregation member and what God expects of them towards the pastor. And uh, so the title of this message is called, Be a Good Steward of Your Pastor. This is part one. We're obviously not going to get through all these notes. But if you notice on the top of the handout that I gave tonight, you're going to notice Brother Michael Mara's uh, name. He wrote this sermon for me. (laughs) No, I was so impressed by this, because I've never preached this. I've never been up here saying, oh, I'm a poor pastor. Cole, you've got to help me. I've never been like that. Uh, I've made up my mind to try to finish my course and, uh, and, and just be faithful to the end, whether anybody cares or not. I really don't. But uh, this church has been a blessing to me in many ways. And um, I think uh, that Brother Mike hit the nail on the head with, with these uh, biblical principles because this is something people don't know. Some people mistreat pastors when they don't know Boy, I, I didn't know the Bible said this. I had so much responsibility towards him. And I think if churches knew this information, and I mean all across the body of Christ, not just in America, but all over the world, I think a lot of more pastors would stay 
stay longer and have a more fruitful ministry than they have had. So Mike uh, taught this last Saturday at a men's fellowship we were at in, in Bath, New York, at Grace Bible Baptist Church. Uh, Pastor Hall invited him and me and a couple other men to go out there and preach. And, and uh, as Mike taught this, I went to the other room to hear the other preacher. Because I saw his title, I said, I don't want to be sitting there staring at him. Uh, while he's teaching the men this, I want him to have the liberty to say whatever he wanted to say to those men. So we had options on which preacher we wanted to go in here, so I went to the other one. And he taught this to the men out there, and I appreciate that. And, and it's going to help them be better church members and better stewards of their pastor. Stewards of their pastor. You ever think of that? God gives us, I mean, did God, did God give you a wife? After he gave you a wife, are you supposed to be a good steward of her according to the scriptures? There's a lot in the Bible about being a husband. A lot more than being a wife. But uh, a wife, if she's been given a husband, she becomes a steward of him. And if you've been given by God a pastor, then you become a steward of that pastor. There's things you can do. And uh, so I wouldn't preach this for myself, but I'm preaching this for those of you uh, as we go forward uh, to take into your life and live out towards Pastor Barron, towards his wife, towards his family, towards Pastor Gullo. I hope to have uh, those from Brightway Baptist Church hear this message, and this will just be part one, and uh, maybe I'll get to part two next Sunday. I don't know. It depends on how the Lord uh, leads. But um, when I was ordained back in, uh, on May 29, 1983, uh, the message was preserved. You can still listen to it today. We still have it on cassette tape. I have one, cassette tape of my ordination service from 1983. Mike listened to it. Mike transferred some of the information from one of the preachers and other sources onto his notes, and he taught this out in Bath, New York. But this is pretty good. Uh, number one is be loyal to your pastor. Be loyal to your pastor. I want to encourage you, if he's really your pastor, be loyal to him. Be loyal to him. If he's not, then get out. Go find someone else who you can be loyal to as your pastor. But uh, be loyal. The Bible is filled with wonderful stories of loyal people. Uh, when I think of Moses, I think of a minister he had called Joshua. And Joshua was loyal to Moses for 40 years. There was one time he was so loyal that when they were having a rock concert and everybody stripped naked and they were all dancing like fools around a golden calf in Exodus 32... Joshua was the only one left who stayed loyal to Moses. Even Aaron, his brother, betrayed him. But Joshua stayed loyal. Joshua stayed at the foot of the mountain of Sinai while Moses was up on the mountain, and he stayed put for 40 days, and he wasn't told by God, now, Moses will be back in 40 days. He wasn't told anything. He just says, this is where I'm supposed to wait. 
Can you imagine doing that for 40 days? What did the rest of the people back in the camp do? They said these words. They said, as for this Moses, we know not what's become of him. Let's make our own gods. And so they made calves like they used to worship over in Egypt, and they all had this rock music going. It sounded like the music of war. The Bible says that. And that music made them all strip naked. There's the men and women stripping naked and dancing around the calf and everything, and God was so upset. And Moses came down and Joshua, and Joshua was the only one who stayed loyal. Jonathan stayed loyal to David, even though it cost him his life. Jonathan should have been the next king of Israel. But God said, David's going to be the next king of Israel. Now, most Jonathans would try to kill David. Hey, you're taking my place. But Jonathan said, no, if he's the one God chose... I'm going to be faithful to my friend, David. And it is said that Jonathan's love for David exceeded, excelled the love of women. He loved David so much and supported him. He was loyal. Elijah was loyal to Elijah for many years. We don't know how many. I think it was around 16, 20 years. I'm not sure. It says he poured water on the hands of Elijah. Just imagine that, some guy just walking around with Elijah, and every time Elijah goes to, to eat, he pours water on his hands so he can wash his hands and eat. And he just, just ministered to Elijah. And he was faithful. He was faithful till the moment God took Elijah up to heaven in a chariot of fire. He's loyal. Nehemiah's day, there were loyal men. God gave Nehemiah a vision for his work, and he didn't tell anyone else. That's what God does. That's how God does it. God says, plant a church in that town, and he doesn't tell a committee. He tells one individual, and that one individual follows the calling of God by faith, tells it to the men. Nehemiah said, let me tell you, men, what God has shown me that we need to do here in Jerusalem. We need to rebuild these walls. We need to put the gates back up on the walls and take away the reproach and all this 70 years of garbage that's been piled up in Jerusalem. This is a reproach to our God. And the men said, let us rise up and build. And in 52 days, there was a miracle that just took the air out of all of God's enemies. They couldn't believe how God had worked through Nehemiah and those loyal Men and God transcribes their names forever in the book of Nehemiah, so you'll read about them a billion years from now. And someday you'll meet one of them and, and, and you'll, you'll say, what, What's your name? Uh, Hannah and I. Are you Nehemiah's brother? Yep. Hey, thanks for being faithful. Thanks for when he got that vision, you didn't say, oh, Who told you that? Who do you think you are? But rather you said, I believe God's leading my brother. I'm going to get behind him. And all those names are written down who did the work, and God wrote the names down too who didn't do the work. Number one, be loyal to your pastor. Be loyal to Pastor Chris. When he becomes your pastor, think of the story of David in a, a slip that was outside of his normal character. In 1 Samuel chapter number 24, his enemy Saul, King Saul, who was trying to kill David, was asleep. And God put a deep sleep on King Saul and all of his men. 
And David went down with his sword, and he could have killed Saul, but he, he, he cut his skirt off. And he went back up the mountain with the skirt of King Saul, who had been anointed by Samuel to be the first king. And even though he went bad, it says David's heart smote him that he embarrassed the king in the slightest way, even though the king was no good. And man, that's the kind of sensitivity. We, we might not agree with everything the man of God does or says, but all of our lives and to our children, we should say that's the man of God. God chose that man. Don't you say anything about him. Don't you dare say anything about him behind his back, in the corner of the church with someone else. And if you do, let's hope it smites your heart and your conscience like David. Because David, Can you imagine if churches were like that? Boy, pastors would probably stay a lifetime and see a generation and the next generation and the next generation instead of leaving at four years. Number two is love your pastor. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 5 and verses 12 through 13. We're only going to get through a few of these, and I'll finish up perhaps next week. Love your pastor. How? Well, there's a special love described here in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 12. It's in the New Testament. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Esteem them very highly in love for their work's Sake. That's the kind of love we need to have for those who are laboring in the kingdom of God, for those that are over us in the Lord, for those that admonish us, who labor among us, which certainly would include uh, the office of a pastor. We are to be loyal to them, number one. We are to love your pastor, uh, number two. And I want to strongly encourage us all to love Brother Brent Gullo, love Brother Ben Shutt, All right, love Pastor Travis Lewis, love Pastor Chris Barron, love his wife Elizabeth, love the children, Abigail, Micah, Philip, Mariah. Now, none of these people are perfect. There's never been a perfect pastor. But we need to look for Mr. Right more than Mr. Perfect. Uh, is he right? Is he the one God called? And that settles it. God calls it. Calls him. That settles the matter. And then love him and esteem him very highly in love for his work's sake. You know, we need to get to the place where we realize as Americans, too, that our, 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 our country is just corrupting. It seems like it's getting worse by the day. And we hardly got any pastors. Let's try to at least save the ones we got. Try to save the ones we got. 
Try to love them. Don't let, let's not be the one that tries to get, that gives them a reason to say, "Boy, what am I doing this for? Why why do I keep doing this?" But there are so few of us. There's so few. There's a million people in Erie County. How many independent fundamental Baptist preachers do you know of in Erie County? Out of a million people. Not quite a million people. How many do you know? It seems like we would say, you know, boy, Pastor mentioned all these churches. Pastor Neeson's dying of cancer. Pastor Constantino's in his 70s. Pastor Elquist is in his 70s and everything. You know, if we get a young man who wants to be a pastor, let's all get behind him 100% and say, brother, we need you. We love you. We care about you and show that care. Wouldn't that make sense? I mean, isn't it enough that that man is going to be beaten almost to death by the world, the flesh, the devil? He's going to fight, you know, one of the things in the Pew Research thing was the pastor struggles with his own emotions. Very, very few pastors have any close friends that they can really share intimate things about for fear that person might repeat it. And so they're like, it's them and God. And boy, we ought to look at a guy like Ben Schott and say, yeah, he's 36, wife, four little kids, bring energy to the church every time they come. But we ought to say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We found somebody. Because when we started, we didn't have anybody. We just said, God, you got to send us a pastor. And get behind them and love them and let them make mistakes. And, and uh, But man, just don't. Be loyal to these pastors. Love them. Number three, respect your pastor's calling. They'll say, I don't think he was called to preach. Well, you don't know that. You don't even know who's saved and who isn't. So I wouldn't be the judge. It's amazing who God calls. It's always floored me. It's always floored me who he calls. And uh, respect his calling. And I will give you pastors according to my heart which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. We've got to believe that by faith, that God will give us pastors. And if this is one, I mean, there was a guy at the uh, men's fellowship last Saturday in Bath. And I said, man, how's it going? He said, good, man. He says, we're in a storefront now, and we've got so many people coming, and God's working, people are being saved. It's wonderful. Because I remember 10 years ago, and, and, and I, I don't think any of you even know who I'm talking about, but I remember 10 years ago when his pastor called me and I said, Brother, humanly, I'm going to say no way. Humanly, I'm going to say no way. But brother, I've seen God call other people that I was wrong about. And I'm glad I just 
kept my mouth shut. I never saw it in Garrett Hall. Almost all the years he was here. Never saw it. Just sat back there, didn't even open a hymn book. Just stands there like this. Sings all the songs by memory. So I used to try to get songs he's never heard of before. And then I'd watch him, you know. What's he going to do? And then sometimes he'd look for a book, you know. I had fun with that. But he started to uh, do pulpit supply. And I said, man, the guy's kind of shy, isn't he? I mean, he's kind of quiet. So I'd always say, brother, here you're going to church this Sunday. Yeah, I said, speak up, okay? Speak out when you're there. All right, because I'm just trying to help him, you know. Boy, he's doing a great job out there in Bath. See, God knows. God knows. And this other guy, 10 years later, I said, boy, I'm glad I, I said what I said to that pastor. I said, I, pastor, I don't see it, but God sure has called men that I didn't see and did very well with them. Uh, in fact, I was shocked when God called me. This has got to be his first mistake. It's got to be the first mistake God ever made. Call me. Why would he do that? Why in the world would God do something like that? That's what I thought. My brother George, yeah, everybody knew he was going to be a pastor. From the moment he got saved when he was 15, everybody said, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to be a pastor. We took him down to Bible college. I said, yeah, he's going to Bible college. I went in the Army. You know, why would I go to Bible college? Pray for your pastor. I'll close with this one, number four. Pray for your pastor. Mike says on his notes here, mount an arsenal of prayer before every service so that Satan cannot hinder the work of God. You know, the preacher, Paul, said in 1 Thessalonians 5.25, Brethren, pray for us. He said in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us. He said in Hebrews 13 and verse 18, pray for us. I mean, who's got the biggest bullseye on their back of anybody in the body of Christ? It's probably going to be Pastor Barron. Probably going to be Pastor Barron. And uh, there's going to be a lot of arrows pointed at him, but make sure you don't shoot any of them. Make sure you don't shoot any of them. He's going to have the world shooting at him, the flesh, the devil, just going to be showering arrows on him. Pray for him. Pray for his health. My, I have a little outline where I pray for their mental health, physical health, emotional health, and spiritual health. Especially emotional. That's where some pastors just say, I tell pastors, I said, now when you prepare a sermon, I tell them this. And you say, I hope this really helps somebody so-and-so this Sunday morning. I'll guarantee you they will not be there. Don't beat yourself up. Because you're saying, boy, this is going to help this person. And they're out on the lake. (laughs) I'm with you in spirit, pastor. (laughs) With you in spirit, but... My body's going to be out on the lake. And you're like thinking, oh, man. 
Because that'll happen a thousand times. A thousand times you'll preach and say, boy, I wish so-and-so, I wish so-and-so, I wish this, this, this marriage, this family, this... Eh. It's human. It's human. But you've got to rule your spirit. You've got to rule your spirit, brother. And uh, you've got to pray. And we've got to pray for him. Pray for Brother Gullah. They have spiritual strength, physical strength, emotional strength, mental strength. Man, it's, getting a, it's quite a mental exercise now. Because with social media and all this knowledge flying around, we almost have to know more than we've ever known before to answer people's questions. It's quite a mental exercise. So, praise the Lord. I'm going to close with that, but, you know, in Exodus 17, there's a story about Moses, and he's leading Israel. He's the shepherd. And they come to the big battle against Amalek, and they're losing They're getting beat. So he sends Joshua down to fight against Amalek. And he stays up on the hill, and the Bible says as long as Moses held the rod of Aaron up in the air like this, Israel prevailed, and they were winning the war down in the valley. But it says Moses' arms got tired after a while, and his His arms would come down, and as soon as his arms come down, then Amalek would start winning the battle. You can read this in Exodus 17. It's history. And so Moses would raise his arms up like this, and and he would try to keep his arms up as long as he possibly can. And maybe some of you remember that. Remember that in the army? They make you do this, you know, and you... And, um, but but pretty soon he gets tired, and they're starting to lose. Two guys... Aaron and Hur found a rock for Moses to sit on. And they put Moses on the rock. And one got on one side and one got on the other side. And when Moses held his arms up, Aaron got on one side and held his arms up. And Hur got over here and held his arms up. And the Bible says Israel discomfited Amalek that day, and Joshua won the battle. Joshua is a picture of Jesus. He's the one that really does the fighting for us. But the man of God needed help. He needed support. He needed men. He needed men that would hold his arms up, hold his hands up. Some of you have done that for me for decades and I appreciate it so much so much and as long as they did that they won but you know I think there's a lot of pastors that have never had that they've never had that or somebody just said hey I'm I'm behind you pastor I'll pray for you let's pray right now and they were loyal and, and boy they got they confronted those that were gainsayers and those who opposed them and those who cursed and those who t- said bad things about him behind his back. They just got right in their face and just fought for their pastor. Well we'll try to pick this up next uh Sunday maybe, if the Lord should lead that way and, and finish up, but there's so much that congregations can do for pastors that I think they'd stay longer than four years. I've been here 39. Pastor says average assistant three years. He's been here 25, I think.
more over that, 25. That's rare. What we have in this little church is extremely rare. We might get used to it, but it's extremely rare. And as we sing, maybe it's up to you. I invite you to come to this altar and maybe pray for Pastor Travis Lewis, Pastor Ben Shutt, Pastor Brent Gullo, Pastor Chris Barron. These men, I think they're young enough that each, every one of them could last 25 more years where God has called them. I really do. If we, we, we love them, pray every time you see them, just say something encouraging, just say, we're so glad you're here. So glad you're here. We need you. We need you here in western New York, and I'm praying for you. And so God leads us along. I hope this is an appropriate song as we stand together and sing uh, page 406. Before baptism today, turn to page 406. God leads us along, and I'll do the first verse. Pastor Seth's going to come and lead. If you want to come and pray, won't you come?